0: Enthusiastic expression of feeling, an epic poem, a recitation, highly emotional utterance, literary, music in irregular form, stitched together, improvised, a collection of effusive, extravagant discourse, rapturous, ecstasy, You're listening to A Rose Rhapsody.
1: I understand. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, so I, 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 I think i just right now. I'm afraid <laughs> the And now, the read. John Henry on Would Be Actors. Tommy Harper isn't a bad sort, but he has a bug that he was put in this world for the purpose of elevating the stage. Tommy thinks he could rush on and play Richard Third to such an extent that the audience would rise up and carry him out on their shoulders. Perhaps they would. Dead. Tommy thinks that with his voice he could make John DeResky's notes look like a bunch of bad money. He's out to bet a couple of seven-dollar bills that he has Herbert Kelsey fanned to a finish and that when it comes to comedy, Francis Wilson and Jeff DeAngelis aren't visible on the shell road. He says that if ever he can break into a play with Mrs. Leslie Carter, he'll turn such a warm pair of goo-goo eyes on her that somebody will have to get up and yell for the fire department. But Tommy can't make good with his shape. He's as broad across the bosom as Colonel Jack Carter. In the love passages, his enbonpois would set him back about three feet. He can wear a full-dress suit, all right, but after it's set, he looks like a load of new-mown hay. Tommy belongs to the ancient and honorable order of tackhammers. He always knocks in a ladylike way, and his remarks don't register once in ten. He likes to go to a theater and squirt verbal seltzer water all over the place. His language is all fine and daisy, but when he turns on the loud pedal, he sounds like a dog locked up in the barn. He is one of those dubs who thinks he's missed his calling, and no doubt his calling has been shaking hands with itself ever since because he missed the boat. I've known Tommy for a long time, so he feels free to read his dope to me. Every time a new book comes out, Tommy wants to get it dramatized and star in it. He tried to get Janice Meredith, but Frank McKee cut across lots and headed him off. Tommy had an idea that if the part of Washington crossing the Delaware in Janice Meredith could be fattened up with a couple of topical songs and a comedy bit, he'd be aces for the road. He says that if he had seen David Harram first, he would have made Billy Crane look like a plate of cold potatoes. Tommy told me once that if he could play the opposite part to Marie Dressler, the public would have to bite its way into the theater. He thinks he has Pete Daly down with both shoulders on the carpet and the stakeholder is ladling out the gate money. Tommy has an idea that it would be like finding money to dramatize Major Pond's eccentricities of genius and let him play all the people from Analyzer Young to Bill Nye. Tommy has been after me to get Dave Belasco to write him a play, but I've stood him off by telling him that I thought Sardou could fit him better. Every day he drives up to my ranch in a hansom to find out if Sardou has cabled yet. I've just punched out a parcel of paragraphs which I shall turn in to Tommy. I think it will do him good. My dear Tommy, I have at last secured a play for you. The author wanted $20,000 for it, but we compromised. He took 80 cents in cash, and I promised him the rest. In the first act, you come in with an axe in each hand, and you play the piano with the other. Then you go out and borrow a golf suit and some Scotch dialect, and you come on the stage looking like an Irishman. In this act, you have four songs, two solos, a cakewalk, and six months in jail if the audience catches you. In the second act, you will be compelled to disguise yourself and look like a gentleman. You'll need a lot of rehearsals for this second act. In the third act, you'll play an elephant. The scene is in a boarding house. You'll have to leave your trunk there. This act will be very funny if anyone laughs at it. The fourth act is a dramatization of the Pennsylvania Railroad timetables. You should cut quite a figure in this act. The fifth act is at the bottom of a well. You play the pump. You ought to be a great success if you handle it with care. In the sixth act, you play the races with real money. You'll have to furnish it yourself. I'm only your manager. I'm not a bank. The scene of the seventh act is laid on top of a mountain. You are discovered standing on top of the mountain. Then somebody moves the mountain. In the eighth act, you will appear as the pride of Jenico if you don't break your leg when you fall off the mountain. In the ninth act, you play the hose. If the audience hasn't gone home by this time, you'll have to go out and give an imitation of Edwin Booth. If that doesn't send them home, we'll call for the police. I'm sure you will like the play. Your salary will be $200 a week, some weeks. Call and see me at your earliest convenience. Take the elevator. There isn't anything else in the building to offer you. Yours with love, John Henry. You'd think that would detain Tommy temporarily, wouldn't you? But it won't. He'll forget it, and day after tomorrow, he'll flash the intelligence on me that he has invented a stranglehold line of business that will put Louis Harrison on the blink, and that when it comes to low comedy, he has Dan McAvoy going over the hills and away to the woodshed. You know, when a guy like Tommy once gets the worm in his noodle that he's cut out for an actor... You couldn't coax it away with a mallet. You have been listening to John Henry on Would-Be Actors from John Henry by Hugh McHugh. I'm Christopher Lay.
0: Episodes of The Rose Rhapsody drop the first Monday of every month and can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you take your listening pleasure. That fabulous horn you've been hearing belongs to Marcus Roots, along with his collaborator on the keys, Adrian Ruiz. Additional tracks from sessions of Rhapsody in Blue feature guitarist Matt Gold, Hayter Garcia on percussion, and the tenor saxophone of Irvin Pierce. To learn more about us and what we do, head over to theroserhapsody.com. And if you love interesting new content as much as we do, spread the word or drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. This week's podcast was produced by Trevor Cochran and Richard C. Washer and is a product of the Rose Theater Company. All rights reserved. I'm Leslie Kopelinski. Now let's get back to that horn.